Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Insights with Ben Choder, where I have the privilege of interviewing people that I think are amazing. And um, this episode, I get to interview the author of this incredible book, Grit and Grind. Two of my favorite words to begin with, 10 principles for living an extraordinary life. Rhonda, thank you so much for being on. This is, this is incredible. Um, but I got to tell you something, Rhonda. Um, this is how you had me. You had me at hello in the book, because right in the introduction, I'm going to read this verbatim. Okay. You can't tell me that it's not worth it. If you go all in, you experience tremendous growth and change in your leadership style. Even if the only person you're leading is yourself, welcome to truly, for being truly alive. How incredible. I mean, so you had me at that moment. Um, so my first question for you is, why did you write the book? And more importantly, do you feel alive? I, I, when, I, all your, you know, your travels and adventures, I, did you always know you were going to be a leader? Oh, great question. First off, Ben, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here with you. You're a wonderful you. leader yourself. Uh, what made me write the book? A bunch yeah. of uh, my, my peers and CEO friends kept saying you need to write a book about everything you've learned. And this is my second book. The other one was a, a technical dummies book. So I really um, wanted to take a moment and I didn't tell anyone then I was writing it right. um, at all. So I wrote it because everyone kept saying you should put these adventures down and I do feel alive. Um, right. I did not know that in my, I would say 20s and 30s working as much. So that's why I'm all about the cultural immersion. I was just working on the hamster wheel and now we're on Zoom wheel as we feel it right. today in the pandemic. But I think when I found that moment, and I knew it. That's why I wrote it down because it's pivotal that if you lead like that, your team finds, feels your energy, positive or negative. And I do feel alive and I, I'm proud of it, uh, Ben. And it helps me lead every day. Rhonda, I, I love that. So here's a question. If you were, I, has, has your thought on leadership changed at all over the last 14 months of COVID? Like if you were going to write the book now, would there be anything different? Or I, in some ways, I think it's even more important today to be an incredible leader. But what have you learned from COVID? Well, to answer your other question, I always knew I wanted to be a leader um, right. it, through sports. I knew, I knew that early on. I didn't know what it would look like as I grew up through the career. How would I change the book? I would even talk about being, I talk about in the book, being present in yeah. the moment enjoying the time that's why the cultural immersions are so important to learn diversity of thought each culture because you get on these zoom calls now ben in this pandemic and you have to be present you have to power through things no matter the screen time the risk the resiliency of leading is so important through the pandemic because everything is two-dimensional and you want it to be three-dimensional yep. And I would, I would write more about how you lead, not with human contact. Right, right, which in some ways is much harder. It's easy yes. for me to lead in person and you could follow me and you could you know, see my vibe and feel the energy and you can't feel it as much on one of these. And you're right, being present is really, really important. So first, again, I said at the very beginning, I love the word grit and grind, but what is the grit and grind philosophy? 
Oh, doing what it takes, getting your hands dirty, diving down into the details, just knowing every detail. You're going to have those moments like, what am I doing? I'm persevering. I feel I'm hitting the iceberg, push through the iceberg, grind it out. Don't stop. And you feel, you just feel the hard work. Um, And it's so important to have that philosophy as a leader and whatever your purpose and vision and mission is, it's important to have that mentality. It is. It's, it's interesting. So for my 1400 people around the world, I always sit there. So I do a really crazy thing. I'm the final interview for anyone in our organization that um, is client facing. So last year alone, we hired close to 200 people and I'm the final interview. And they, and they ask about your leadership style. And I go, our executive leadership team is very blue collar. And I mean, we roll up our sleeves, we get dirty and we're in the business and we don't lead from on top of the business. And when I'm reading your book, all it keeps on popping out of me is like, you're not just the leading from on top, you're in it. And you're also really big on empowering, you know, members of your organization, which I think is one of the keys. So before we even get into chapter one, you advise that you need to, you need discipline to start seeing results from the 10 grit and grind principles. How can discipline be your key to freedom or the key to, um, that locks you in? So. Discipline is everything. Um, I think we found it even more during this pandemic. What are your daily rituals, your habits? What do you do at five in the morning? Swimming is my go-to during, even during the pandemic, that discipline on knowing the goal, what you're going for is so important. And having those, you know, the average human takes seven or eight times to hear something, to get it. And with repetition and discipline, you just find your normal cadence. And it's, it's very important to have in your life and leading. So just being a triathlete, right? So I'm training for my first triathlon. I was supposed to do it a year or a year ago now in May in, in Connecticut. And obviously it was canceled. And then I was supposed to do it in Montauk because I'm staying in East Hampton um, and then that was canceled. And now I'm going to do it in September in Montauk and all the training. I think it's made me better at everything I I do because I have to start every morning at 4.35 a.m. to get in the full workout. It makes me more disciplined. And I find that I take that and I bring it into my work environment. So as being, like you mentioned, being an athlete and training for a trap, does that force you to be more disciplined? Yeah. So first off, congratulations on, on signing up. Number one, that's a big deal because you commit when you hit that return enter button. So Ben, I can't wait to hear how you do And training does help because you show up, you have a schedule and in think of your calendar every 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And I talk about it in the book schedule 22 minutes and 42, because you can't do back to back and you need transition time. Transition time is a triathlete term. And so I do pivot transition and I bring my athletic abilities being um, an Ironman 70.3 into the workplace. Um, And I think it's very, very um, parallel, Ben, very parallel. You know, it's interesting because you also on principle three, you talk a lot about, you know, not a lot, but you talk a whole chapter basically on, on 1440 minutes we have in each day. And they're like silver tokens and how you spend them is like a key. So what did you, like, what were you trying to tell in that story? Mm, I was trying to tell 1440, think of currency, it's currency and you have time as a currency. How are you best going to utilize your time? 
how are you going to calendar it? The rigorness, just like a race, you have that. It's free every day. God willing, we all wake up and we have that. And you get to choose time as currency and who you spend your time with. What's important during the day? Do you want wellness breaks? And I really wanted to hit home with that, Ben, because time is currency. So many people waste time. Um, and that's one of my pet peeves. I don't like to waste time. Even uh, meetings need to have a purpose. Right. All right. I love that about time. And I, and I feel the same way. Someone asked me recently if I could have one thing. I'd want more time, right? There's not enough time in a day. COVID's actually made every day feel like 12 noon on a Wednesday, right? There's no beginning of middle or end. Your next principle, principle four, listening. This is one that I try to, I'm trying to become a better listener. Um, and I think it's one of the keys to success. Sometimes the smartest people in the room are the ones who aren't always trying to give their opinion. They listen. But you say listening is the most important first step in a conversation. What's your three steps to process a process of listening? My three, well, listening is pivotal because you have to understand someone's point of view and where they're coming from and not cut them off. Everyone has the right to their own feelings. Try to understand what they're going through, what's what's the purpose, what are they trying to tell? And I, I pause. And Ben, I'm often right. sometimes the quiet one in the room a lot because right. I process before I speak to make sure I have all the facts before I make a decision. Sometimes you can't always if you're in a crisis mode, but I, there's always another part of the story that I try to understand um, if I have the time. But listening and etiquette are so important these days because everyone wants this new generation instant gratification and you need to listen to understand to make a decision i love that all right so jumping because there's so much i want to cover in this very short time principle seven communicate communicate openly you talk about nonverbal cues being just as important as verbal cues what are the verbal and nonverbal cues people should replicate well, I think when you're processing and listening on Zoom, eye contact is key, not multitasking, um, looking at folks and and having your emotion come out. And, you know, I understand everyone has screen time, but really nodding is, is a good way to, um, is a great nonverbal eye contact. I look for that all the time. Shoulders, who's, who's really into the moment. You could tell Ben, and you can see when yep. you're listening, who's in the moment, right. who's not, even on Zoom and without in life. Um, and I really, I really look at nonverbal cues uh, on the phone video. I'm the first one to be flipping through the screens, Ben. I, I, I always do. People. I always do. <laughs> and your leadership's like this because you're, yeah. you, you do all this. You're a great leader. Um, and I admire you for your leadership because when we, when we chatted, you listened, you listened to the story, you processed, yep. we were both calm in the heat of the moment yep. and we both, you know, came together and we're now a team. So I think it's great. I think that's a great live example, Ben. We fixed it. Yes. You know, that's, and that's, that's the point. And that's, I think any relationship, it's about listening and putting the best for, foot forward. And a lot of people don't do it. But it's interesting when you say that about, I got a Zoom call or WebEx call. I always look around and I try not to look at my phone. I try to give eye contact. And I notice when people are not paying attention. And it's, it, it irks me a little bit, and but I understand there's so much going on, but it's really interesting. You know when people are paying attention. Where, you know, before when it was just a conference call, you had no idea. And right. I never, I don't think I ever paid attention when it was just a conference call. 
but when it's it's video you look and you you know the people are looking at you and i also don't like when people are on zoom calls and webexes and they don't share their video i think right. it's i think it's a cheat right and if engage if i'm going to give you all of me you should give all of you which then leads to this your principle eight is recognize your team mm -hmm. I and mean, you mentioned treat them in, like family my whole goal is i want to build a team around me that is, are all smarter than me all better to me i want to so and empower them and they do become my family so for you what is recognizing your team mean i give them all the credit um singularly as a team unit um when they make a major milestone um it's all about the team it's not about one person it takes a you know teamwork makes the dream work it's true no everyone in life has a team look at your support system in your family life it's a team it's not one person even in the workplace that's grander and the team it's all about teamwork if you have an ego forget it if you have uh if you're in the glorification forget it and um that won't fly in these cultures uh at all and it's all about recognizing people in the moment ben here's another nugget it needs to be real-time recognition and right. feedback don't give someone recognition two months later three months six months it loses right. the you know the yep. oomph, the validity of it and the moment it's also not only just good feedback it's radical candor right so you know like a pet peeve is when someone says you know what you did three months ago you should have done it differently I'm, you my first comment would be like why didn't you tell me right after it happened so i don't do it again for the next three months which i've done and i find that you know i i work really well when people give me radical candle candor i try to give it to them and it's good it could be good information it could be corrective information but don't sit on it and i think a lot of people nature is i'm not non-confrontational and giving people feedback isn't confrontational it's makes you a better person i think yeah, it makes you grow. If you're a leader, you don't wait for your mid-year of year, end of the year to give feedback, right? That's that's a no-no. Um, but as a as a human, Ben, I would challenge you to think and who did you give feedback to in your personal life lately? Not work, but your friends. Right. I find my friends yep. during COVID need to get feedback even more because yep. you know we don't see them. We see all everyone at work, family on Zoom. So friends, it's like, what's going on? Are you really okay? You're silent. Right. What's the problem? I mean, I'm giving them feedback that way. Right. I know. I, I agree. It works in personal and in professional. And then eventually a lot of your personal becomes your, what you've met in professional. I mean, if I look at my closest friends, a lot of them I've had engagements with, whether they were mm. client, competitor, coworker, just working with them when you like when you're in the war with them it speeds up your relationship like exponentially which is to me one of the best parts of growing a career is building that family so team building um do you have any like when you take over a new team like when you join herbalife and you as the cio and you had a new team is there certain things you do to sort of test out the team or engage with the team that have worked for you well, it, it happened before the pandemic, so I got to a couple of the regions, but I meet with um, meet with them, have all hands. Um, during the pandemic, we do team exercises on Zoom, which is not just talking about work, Ben. It could be anywhere from teams doing fun family feud to mental wellness to exercising together, because I'm a big right. health and wellness person. 
So I always want to work in exercising, not for folks to get hurt or be competitive, but just get them to move. It could be active meditation on Zoom. We do meditation together because, um, and that's a team bonding, right? Think about getting on Zoom and, and, and being meditating for three minutes and four seconds. Uh, that just, that helps um, so much. And then we also do this getting to know you series that everyone does a one pager about getting to know yourself. And we nominate people throughout it just keeps on going um, through the organization. Um, and I find that that has really helped because it's not talking about technology. Um, it's talking about the human aspect for folks to get to know each other. I love that. I, I want to try that. I do. A, so I took over well, our organization started April 13, 2018. And so we are now 170 weeks into our company. And I've done a video every Friday for 170 weeks. Now this wow. week will be 170. And I get seven or eight or nine members of the organization to tell their story and share it and spread it because having, you know, close to 1500 people in 17 countries around the world, you don't get to see each other. And I find during COVID, you need it even more. But I find for me, it's now my therapy. Every week I get to just open up, look in a camera and tell everyone what I'm going through. And it makes them feel like they can open up and tell us what they're going through. And again, it, it, again, building a culture, how do we all work together? And I just, so what you're saying just so resonates with me. All right, next part of your book that I love is you mentioned, you talk about managerial courage. Hmm. All right, so for the audience, what, what is managerial courage? Managerial courage is so important when you really are sitting on something that's a problem, you need to bring it forward as soon as possible. And, and first off, you need to have, create a safe environment as a leader so that folks feel like they can express themselves. And having the courage to speak up when there's an issue, whether it's an overspend um, in a budget line item or someone not getting along in a teamwork, whatever's on your mind, having the courage to step forward and speaking, what, you know, speaking your mind. Um, and I love that, Ben, no matter what it is, love um, bad news story. I just love when people speak up and reach out and having that courage. I think more people in the world need to have that courage um, in why, life too. But why do you think in an organization, people, are they scared of authority or they're scared of how it's going to come, the, the repercussions of it? Like, why don't people share? I mean, I try to tell everyone like, we're no silos organization, share your ideas. What's the worst we're ever going to do is say, Hey, Rhonda, it's a good idea, but we're not going to do it for this reason, mm -hmm. but you're not a name on a spreadsheet. You do that. You're, you're now somewhere in my mind, whether it's promotion down the road or where you're going, why are people so scared of having the courage? Well, I think it's it depends on the company. Number one, the culture of the right. company. So I've seen very safe cultures and right. to, to that promote that. Some just say that and they don't act upon it then. So the organization says, oh, you say that, but the leadership doesn't follow through. So I think some folks get that. Um, but when you're leading from the top and I call it, you need to lead from every chair. If, if no matter who cares what title it is, everyone yep. is equal and, and you can, everyone can speak up. And I think we as leaders need to promote that even more. And when someone does in a meeting, Ben, and I just had a town hall this morning, I said, great managerial courage in front of everyone. Love it. Please keep speaking up. So the more you recognize in the moment, 
going back to real-time feedback and calling out that managerial courage, everyone's like, oh, this is what we mean. Exactly. No, I, I love that. One of the other things I love in the book, I love the stories because it's not just principles and information. You tell stories. I also love how you thank people in the book. I, I recently wrote a book and I, on the first page, you'd say a couple people will change your life and then just names of people. You wrote a few sentences about everyone in your life. And one of the things that resonated with me was not to friends that you put in and the family members is like, I worked with this person here and they did this and it followed through. It means that they've all kind of imprinted something on your life and hopefully it's made you a better leader, right? Because they all, they all add to it. I, what made you decide to really pay tribute to all those people? Thank you for picking that up, Ben. The publisher thought I was crazy, number one, yeah. um, at first. Uh, but it really resonated because that's from my heart, what makes me tick. Every one of those folks that I mentioned had an impact on my life. And I've told them, but when you see it in print, it was pretty... Um, substantial. And I wanted folks to know that they're a part of the nucleus um, and how they've impacted um, my life personally and professionally. And a lot of folks don't understand how one moment can change someone's life. Yep. And I wanted folks to reflect on that because, and I invited them all to the, the book party. Um, and, and I was so blessed that they showed up, um, Ben, because they didn't know. I mean, that, that wasn't just a party that was like I was giving back to them to thank them for everything that they've done and they often didn't know what I wrote in the book to them and thank you for picking up on that I mean listen I like to say that I love the book but my fit it's not my favorite part it's the part that you sit there and go I mean I read every single one of them because they were short sweet and they told a story and it allowed me to get to know really who the author is right when you read a book you go I believe in your principles. I love what you're saying about courage and grit and grind and how I got there, but it really, you had opened your heart. You, you were very vulnerable in what you said and that shows some, that's courage, right? That's, you know, and I just thought that was amazing. All right, if we were gonna wrap this up and you had to give advice to, you know, anyone in my organization or anyone out there in their career journey, what would you want them to know? Besides, everyone should read this book because it's incredible. Thank you, Ben. I would want them to know that don't, I want, I want them to have people that they write down like in the book, Ben. Right. And if you can't write down a core group of nucleus folks that have impacted you, you're, something's wrong. And I would also want them to thank them. Have, you know, I'm big on mentorship. So I, I always say, have you solidified your mentorship? Because often folks don't know that they're, they're looked up to, but to solidify a mentor um, is, I, I can't stress this enough. You have to say say that to someone. And I would also want the audience to know in these times, being mobile and being where you are in life is just learn from it, learn. And it's okay. It's okay to be challenged. I would want them to know that that pit in your stomach is a good feeling yep. too, Ben. It's I actually think it, it's the best feeling because life isn't supposed to be like this. It's supposed to be a roller coaster ride and you need challenges. You need to fail forward. It just makes you better at everything you do. I think after reading this book, I am a better um, leader and I feel honored that you're on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I will let you know how I do in my triathlon and um, 
stay safe and thank you for being here. I can't wait. I look up to you, Ben. You're a great leader. Thank you for all thank you do. You. All right. Have a great day. Thanks.